It's like him contesting a shot, like from the front. So that's other stuff you really can't uh, can't avoid in the NBA. What Grayson Allen do did highly highly avoidable. Hello and welcome to the Wednesday, January 26th edition of the TV on Basketball Podcast with your host, TV. Hope you're having a fantastic day and thank you for clicking on to watch or listen to today's episode. Before we start, I do have to plug my other platforms. Remember to follow at TV on Basketball on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok for updates on the podcast and for other great content. If you're on YouTube, remember to like, share, and subscribe, plus hit the notification bell so you'll know so you will not miss an episode. That would be highly appreciated. For all my podcast listeners, remember to subscribe and leave a review on Apple to help out the numbers. And as for my Spotify anchor, Podbean listeners, just show your support in any way possible. I truly appreciate it. I have a great show lined up for you guys today. Lots of news going around the NBA. The NBA tread deadline season is coming up very, very soon. So there's going to be a lot to talk about there. And as you can tell by the title of this video, there is a certain player that I will not mention because I'm just tired of talking about him, um, plain and simple. But we're still going to be talking about a lot of NBA news. There's a lot to discuss. And yeah, I mean, this is like a, more of a normal podcast episode. The last few weeks, there was like NBA trade deadline type of special, not like like NBA like trade rumor special, um, NBA like all-star predictions, stuff like that. And so those are more like Different types of episodes, even the like midseason awards. But we're back to like norm, um, regularly scheduled programming. I'm excited to talk some more ball today. So yeah, there's a lot to discuss. So sit back, relax, and let's jump into the first topic. And because it's January 26, um, an event two years ago shocked the I would want to say just the NBA world, but it really just shocked the world in general. And we're here to commemorate Kobe Bryant on his death anniversary, 2020, two years ago. Him and his daughter Gianna um, was part of that tragic plane crash. Um, on 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 his like they were on their way to Gianna's game, and they died tragically in the plane crash two years ago. It was it still feels surreal to this day because Kobe Bryant feels like this person who he's like one of those players that just felt invincible. You know the mama mentality type of thing. Him doing like all like him making an impact outside of the NBA world. He felt like he was someone that just couldn't be touched. He had such a huge impact on the on the game, on the world, that you just feel like, you know, he's going to be around the game for a long time, whether it's either helping out the Lakers in some sort of, like, advisor type of role, um, him doing something in, in Hollywood and stuff like that. You just knew that he was up for big things. And that was all tragically um, taken away from us two years ago. And honestly, still super unfortunate. I remember that day like it was yesterday. I found out the news when I was in the hallway, and I legit saw TMZ reporting on it, and I was like, stop with this BS, stop with this hoax stuff, because it's not funny. Then when more reputable news sources started coming out with the news, it started to become more real and real, and I wasn't even like a massive, massive Kobe fan, as I know many people are. Some people, uh, some of you listening to the ep- to this episode know about, just like, I, it still affected me, because he. Wa- I watched him throughout... My entire childhood as a as a fan, I know he hit 81 my points on, the, on my Raptors, which I think the anniversary of that was like last week or like just over a week ago, and just him being taken away from us, highly, highly unfortunate. Um, so many great moments from Kobe's career. I remember like some of my favorite ones, obviously being the Phoenix game winner, his final game, which I watched in full, 
which is crazy because there was that game and also the Warriors clinching 73 win game. But of course, everyone's trying to watch Kobe's last game because it was just such a monumental thing for the league. And he wasn't even there for his Hall of Fame ceremony and all that type of stuff. Like, it just doesn't, like, feel right that he's still not in this world. And the thing is, like, with Kobe, you know what the whole mama mentality, he wouldn't want, you know, the world to just, like, stop everything for him. They would He would want them to move on and as a way to commemorate him because he always was working. He always tried to fight through whatever he was going through. And that's the whole kind of mama mentality type thing. And I think that's something we can really take away from Kobe from the short time he was on this earth is that there's very little time that we have here. And Kobe even said, like, there's a quote I saw this morning, like, I'm trying to talk about Kobe's death, is that one of the biggest things that we kind of take for granted is that we don't have much time. And so when it comes to being, like, with who you want to be, I mean, you can continue to, like, do, like, stuff that you don't want to do, but at the same time, you got to make yourself happy because you realize that you don't have much days on this earth. And no matter like what you're trying to build towards at the end of the day, you want to try to like help yourself out first. And Kobe understood that he was a man. He's a family guy. He always did like what was best for him and his family. And that's something that you, that's just completely admirable about Kobe Bryant. And here, even two years from now, like we're still thinking about him always we wish he was still here with us today, but um, circumstances, sometimes the world does does not, um, it does, definitely the world doesn't work like that. So yeah, two years from now, two years again, just talking about him. I remember making that whole episode like after like after his death, that was like really like kind of hard to record. And it were like two years from now and like two years after and it's still having a huge effect on the NBA world. So shout out to Kobe. Um, prayers, of course, up to Vinette. Prayers up prayers to Vanessa, the rest of their family, and of course, prayers up to Gianna as well, and all the other victims on that plane crash. Highly, highly tragic day. And even still, I mean, Kobe, even though he died, he would want us to celebrate like what he's done in life, dear basketball, his tremendous NBA career, being a five-time NBA champion, MVP, all that good stuff. Kobe, top 10 player of all time. He, of course, will be dearly, dearly missed. And on this day, we still commemorate him. We still celebrate the life that Kobe Bryant had. Let's move on to some actual basketball talk. Let's try to line up the mood and actually talk about some crazy news that's been going around in the NBA. And the biggest one for me this week is James Harden. we got to talk about James Harden. And reports that he is apparently unhappy in Brooklyn. He is currently unhappy in Brooklyn. There are reports saying that he doesn't like living in Brooklyn compared to Houston. And he also has had some quarrels about Kyrie's part-time status as a basketball player, as a member of the team. Obviously, Kyrie cannot play in home games, games in Toronto, and games in New York. But Kyrie can play basically everywhere else. And he has voiced his concerns about that. And this could, and this has led to speculation around the league, speculation in the NBA, that either a possible signing trade could happen this offseason and or he could just go out purely and just test free agency. Now let's talk about James Harden's situation in Brooklyn right now because Brooklyn right now, Kevin Durant's out for the next six weeks. There were reports yesterday that he might not play in the second straight All-Star game, although he's probably going to be the leading vote-getter. But right now, the Brooklyn Nets, one game behind the first seed. They're currently number three right now, 29-18. James Harden earlier this season had a slow start, but he's starting to pick it up. 
Um, as of late, so far this season, averaging 23 points a game, 10 rebounds, 8 assists, James Harden-type numbers. And he's definitely going to have a bigger role now because Kyrie's not playing home games. And, of course, Kevin Durant's going to be out for an extended period of time. But in terms of James Harden and his role in Brooklyn, in in concept, on paper, it's perfect. You got Kevin Durant, best player in the league in my opinion right now. James Harden's still a top 10 player. And Kyrie Irving, when he's playing, is a borderline top 10 player. You got those three guys, and no matter what pieces they have around you, I mean, of course it matters a little bit, but clearly, like, whatever pieces are around them usually work, and that team should be a title contender year in, year out. But the thing is, it's never going to be like that. It's just never going to be like that because Hart, because um, Durant and his injury issues, he's not going to really play a full 82, and you really got to be conservative with him, especially if you want to have him for a long playoff run. Kyrie Irving still unvaccinated. He's like even in the playoffs, this is going to be even more of an issue where he's going to be basically a part-time player. I can understand James Harden's frustration there. And they have a good supporting cast. Patty Mills has been great. Marcus Aldridge. Um, they've got a pretty deep team in terms of depth. But James Harden being unhappy, he like him being like in Brooklyn, maybe hasn't like turned out the way he wanted to be. As long as they're all healthy, though, that could definitely change. Um, but him moving on to another team could be a possibility. There are potential rumors about him being traded for he who shall not be named, which I don't know like how um, plausible that's going to be. But just thinking of the situation of like maybe possible destinations he can go to, him going to the 76ers could be good. Him and Joel Embiid. Maybe at some sort of third star if they move off Tobias Harris. That could be a very good combination. And, of course, Maury knows all about what James Harden can do. One of the best players, um, probably his best player of the last decade when he was the GM slash president of the Houston Rockets. And, of course, something like that could possibly happen. 76ers have a package that could that could bring James Harden there in some sort of sign trade. That could be something that the, um, the 76ers can look into doing. And... They said that they're willing to make the trade in the offseason rather than doing it right now. but And they said they were really trying to look for him. So maybe that is a possibility. But James Harden did address these rumors yesterday. And he basically said, like, yeah, I'm frustrated. But it's not me being in Brooklyn. It's not about all this other stuff. It's about him just wanting to win. And winning is going to be tough no matter who you have on the court. When you have pieces coming in and out. Of course, through the health and safety protocols, but also Kevin Durant being in and out. Kyrie Irving, again, stressing the point that he is a part-time NBA player right now. Of course, that's going to be frustrating. And James Harden had a great night versus the versus the Los Angeles Lakers yesterday. Really tried to put the team on his back. And even still, they lost by 10 points. It was a, basically a blowout by the end of the game. So I can understand his frustrations 100%. Now, do I think it's going to be, do I think he's actually going to leave? I do not think so. I think more than anything that he's going to try and make this work because this opportunity he has with Kyrie and KD is probably the only thing that's like his best chance of going to be to get a championship. But, you know, crazy things happen in the NBA, so I would not rule out any other possibility. Other destinations I could possibly see him in, I'm honest, I was literally looking at this last night and I was like, what other team could really go after James Harden? There are so many teams here that either have a future or something that's set in stone right now. Even the teams here at the bottom, I was like, none of those guys are going to go after James Harden, who is over 30 years of age. He's going to want some sort of massive, massive contract. I don't think they're going to do it. 
The only thing, other thing I can think of is the New York Knicks. Because it's the Knicks and they're going to try to go for everyone, even like, especially if someone of James Harden's caliber. But besides that, my, like, the opportunity of him being with Joel Embiid, being, tr- like, being put in a sign trade or a trade in general to the, um, Philadelphia 76ers, I think is the most likely scenario. And I honestly think that if that does go through, it could be a very good combo for the 76ers. I don't know if the the Nets fans or or the Nets are going to like what they get in return, but we will have to wait and see what happens there. Crazy news, especially because we just thought that automatically that James Harden is going to accept his player option and just stay there long term. It's never it's never a guarantee in the NBA, so we're going to have to see because this free agency um, class could definitely get a huge burst if um, James Harden is included. Let's move on to the next topic, though, and, and in this topic, we're going to be talking about Grayson Allen. Yes, Grayson Allen being suspended, having that flagrant two foul on on Alex Caruso. I believe it was over the weekend. And it was basically a play where Alex Caruso was about to go up for a layup. Jo- Grayson Allen comes from the side, tries to swat the ball with his left. And as he's coming around, he kind of s- uses his second arm to like get Caruso and kind of get him down to the ground due to momentum. After review of the play, it looked really bad. I mean... Caruso was clearly in a lot of pain. Um, he still finished out the game, though. But after looking at it, the refs deemed it a flagrant two, and Grayson Allen was promptly ejected from the game. Now, the thing that really hurts this the most, and I think I'm gonna get to it later. I'm gonna get more into it later, is that the Bulls they just they just got Alex Caruso back from his um, previous injury, and now um, Caruso is gonna miss six to eight weeks due to a fractured wrist. And that got NBA fans up in arms saying, Grayson Allen, he's had a passive disc. He's doing it again. He like injured a fan favorite, let's be honest, in Alex Caruso. And that play basically led to him missing the next six to eight weeks. Now, what do I think of this? Grayson Allen getting suspended, um, that flagrant foul, did I think it was necessary? Um, did I think that it warranted a suspension? Yes. I do believe so. There are a lot of people going back and forth about this. I think the general consensus is that everyone agrees with it. But honestly, one game is good. I think that's like what it kind of like lines up with with the rest of the NBA. But I would have really gave him two. And is it because of his reputation a little bit? It is. Um, his reputation, him doing what he did in Duke, then kind of carrying over to some certain instances he had in the NBA. And now moving on with this. Like James, like Grayson Allen has like this type of like different mentality, and he, I don't really think he gives a you know gives an f about what any of us think of him, but it was just a careless, careless play. And some people are saying it's a play for a ball, this and that. And of course, when you really like go like really look at it, it's like did he intend to hurt Alex Crusoe? Of course not. Of course not. He did not attempt to. But you can never be sure with Grayson Allen. You know what I mean? But at the end of the day, jokes aside. He didn't intentionally mean to hurt him. Obviously not. But it's not like the Kelly Oubre flagrant foul two um, the other night where he went up with DeAndre Hunter and he, the Hunter had a really, really bad fall. Firstly, Kelly Oubre showed remorse, which Grayson Allen did not. And secondly, it was more of a, like, you know, front-to-front type of thing. It's like him contesting a shot, like, from the front. So that's other stuff you really can't, uh, can't avoid in the NBA. What Grayson Allen do did, highly, highly avoidable. He came in from the right side of the court, 
came across when Alex Russo was trying to go up for whatever it was a dunk or a layup. And he freaking tried to go for the ball. And again, the second swing is very important here. The second arm takes him and kind of throws him to the ground because of mostly because of momentum. But again, highly, highly dangerous when someone is in mid-air. The NBA has been really like trying to be um, cautious with people, especially like of the potential injuries at risk when someone is mid-air. And this is not like something where, you know, Caruso's coming and Grayson Allen's in front of him. He clearly sees him coming. No, no, no. Grayson Allen is coming from the right side of the court, coming across, making this even more dangerous than I think it really had to be. He came from a basically a near, like a near impossible angle. And that really like altered the impact of Alex Caruso's landing. And for me, that is warranted for the suspension, the flagrant two. And honestly, I thought he should have got a second game because this that was not a I want to say it's a basketball play, but it's also something that really could have been avoided because is it kind of a basketball play? Yes, because he's trying to go for the ball, trying to go for the block, but it's extremely dangerous, especially when you're coming at that certain angle. That should not be something that um, should be encouraged in the NBA. I don't think, like, again, there's a couple of flagrant fouls that happened. The THT one was pretty bad. He got a flagrant one, which happened also over the weekend. Kelly Oubre, again, with the thing on DeAndre Hunter, that was a flagrant two, which I thought was warranted as well. But again, those type of plays are kind of avoidable in the sense where they're coming from the front or doing some sort of, like, ch- like kind of, like, chase down type block type thing. The Grayson Allen one was like a kind of a, a unique scenario to me, and I think that's the reason why I would not really that I would treat it the way the NBA treated. Maybe same game as well, because that Allen foul was just completely reckless. I don't think the rules are really going to change because of this. But at the same time, you shouldn't be doing like going that hard trying to te- attempt to block, especially that way, especially with the second arm. Again, the second arm is extremely important here. Um. In terms of him trying to um, stop the play, that is clearly worth a flagrant foul, and I think he honestly should have gotten another game suspension. I really do. It's a bad luck for him, um, bad luck for the um, definitely a bad luck for the Bucks, especially because the day after he was kind of their um, part of their game preview for the next game, and of course a lot of people were mad. Bulls fans are rightfully mad because because you know they're already like down bad, missing a bunch of players, and now they're missing Alex Caruso as well, who was a key part of their defense. Definitely, definitely tough. So, do I agree with James Allen's suspension? Yes, I should have thought he got an extra game too. And that is clearly a flagrant foul. I, I just don't think that was a good play whatsoever. Before we move on to the next topic, I do want to discuss more about the Chicago Bulls because, man, they've got a lot of injuries. I was going to talk about this later on, but I think this is a great transition to talk about it right now. Lonzo Ball, six to eight weeks out. Um, Derek Jones Jr., he fractured something. I think it was like in his right index finger. I think that's what I read this morning. Out six eight weeks. Caruso out six eight weeks. Those are three guys who, not our only key rotation pieces. These guys are the ones that are that are part of like the defensive core of this team. Because let's be honest, Vucevic, barbecue chicken in there. Demar Derozan, average to below average defender. Zach Levine, average to below average defender. The reason why they were even a competent defensive team is because they had the Alex Caruso's. They had the Patrick Williams, who's out for the season. Lonzo Ball. Um, of course, Derrick Jones Jr. as well. All these guys missing a bunch of time is going to gonna hurt this team 
Now, luckily for the Bulls, Zach Levine, who got injured, I think it was last week, should be coming back in the very near future. So at least they're going to have their star duo of him and DeMar. But the defense is going to take a major hit. It 100% is unless they make a trade by the deadline. The The one thing I would target for them is a defensive big because seeing Fuzovic out there just getting destroyed every single night is something I don't is, is definitely hard to watch. But also, it might, it's going to be it's even hard to watch if you're a Bulls fan. So if I'm the Bulls, try to go either go big, try to get Jeremy Grant if that's even a possibility. Secondly, try and get a backup center. You don't have to even go like over over the top. Potentially get a New Orleans Noel, potentially a Mitchell Robinson. You don't have to go like super over the top of them, especially because Mitchell Robinson's an expiring contract. Let's see what's going to happen because I do think that these are definitely going to hurt um, for the next few weeks or so. They're going to have to try to tread water until then, which is tough because basically there are two games separating the sixth seed and the first seed right now. And the Bulls are only half a game back, so literally they're like number two right now. They could slip all the way to six. They could potentially slip to seven depending on how bad it gets a lot of things can change and having all these injuries is definitely definitely rough hopefully these guys come back healthy but as they start to come back slowly and slowly it's definitely going to help out good thing for them is too is that Javante green who has missed a couple weeks should be back too so that's a little bit of defense health but at the same time definitely rough news for the bulls bulls fans they're right now it's probably going to be number one in the NBA right now, but especially to the Bulls, they probably want is they probably like want want him like spend it like freaking as long as Alex Caruso is, is out for. So yeah, it's bad news for the Bulls. Let's see if they're going to be able to deal with it. Let's see if they're going to be able to tread water um, until they come back. Moving on to the next topic, we have to talk about the Lakers and a potential trade. Regarding Russell Westbrook, yes, there is a trade possibility regarding Russell Westbrook. And it is one that has happened in the past. <laughs> it's a trade that's happened in the past. More specifically, happened last year right before the season started. Russell Westbrook for John Wall, again, but of course, John Wall being traded to the Lakers. Now, what do I think of this possibility? Well, firstly, Westbrook and John Wall is basically the only trade possible where you could where you could do a one for one swap. That is literally the only like um, possibility for that. The the whole Rockets should do it if there's any sort of pick compensation for John Wall. Literally, if there's any th- sort of pick compensation, I would take that immediately, and I mean immediately if you're the Rockets, and especially if the Lakers are willing to include that 2027 first round pick. If I'm the Rockets, I'm going straight for that. That's a big W for them. But is it worth the compensation if you're the Los Angeles Lakers? Even though Russell Westbrook has not had the greatest season, John Wall, like, they really just want to have, like, maybe a change at that point position, someone a bit more reliable, someone maybe like a John Wall? Not worth the risk. John Wall has not played a single game this year. Yes, he has stated that he wants to play and the, the Rockets are trying to keep him healthy just in case another team comes in and wants to sweep for him. But the Lakers giving away a late first round pick, especially in a couple years, in like four, what was it, four or five years, where they don't know what the roster is going to look like, for someone who could possibly be an upgrade on Russell Westbrook. Possibly. Because although Russell Westbrook has been playing bad, he's averaging 18, you know, 7 and 8, 44% from the field. He hasn't been a great season for us. Is John Wall going to improve it that much where they're going to be like, okay, we're back to title contenders? I don't think so. And the thing about this trade too is that at least Russell Westbrook has been in the Lakers system for months now. 
He's got the full training camp. He has been with the team. If you train for John Walls, someone who hasn't played all season long, who hasn't played since mid last year, is sending them back more, trying to involve him in the offense, trying to involve him in team activities, him trying to have that camaraderie with the team. You started basically taking a few steps back in that way for potentially, what, an extra, like a better field goal percentage, better shooting slightly, not much better than Russell Westbrook. John Wall, it's, it's just not worth it at all. Especially because Wall has a history of injuries as well. You always have to have that in the back of your mind. The rest of Westbrook for John Wall trade is just not worth it, and it's not worth the worry. And I'm not saying that John Wall is a bad player. He may still be a good player. But the Lakers should not consider the risk, especially because it's midway through the season. If this like happened after like one year, like, like let's let's think about it this way. If Russell Westbrook, you know, is here for a year, it doesn't work out, um, they get eliminated, what, same as last year, first round exit. Maybe training for John Wall is 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 like plausible next year, going with like one year left on his deal or whatever. Maybe something can happen there. And get like a full training camp and stuff like ahead of him. But right now, midway through the season, you're almost at the All Star break, and you're trying to like implement basically a third different star where you had Russell Westbrook the whole season. Just not worth it. Just not worth it. And the thing is, like with this whole thing, um, Russell Westbrook is getting a lot of unnecessary blame for this. Same thing with Frank Vogel. And honestly, although they are contributing to the Lakers' lack of success. They really shouldn't be getting the most of the burden. They need a scapegoat, so those two guys are the scapegoats. But they really should be the like the the main focus of blame. It's the poor roster construction. Of course, it's a bit of Russell Westbrook's play, but also a horrible bench. You got um, Anthony Davis out with injury, like out with over a month due to injury, which he came back from yesterday. All those things combined are what is making this a very underwhelming season for the Lakers. And I don't think that Russell Westbrook really should be. The one mostly to blame for all this. And the good news for Russell Westbrook um, in years past and for people who maybe are waiting for the Russ, for the Russ turnaround, he usually plays better after the All-Star break. So maybe things will change after um, they come back from Cleveland. But at the same time, I don't think that he deserves all the blame that he's getting right now, all the hate that he's getting right now, although he hasn't had a great season. But a trade... Could maybe help them out, but also this trade for John Wall is just, it's just not it. It's just not it, in my opinion. I don't think the Lakers should pursue for that. And imagine that. I mean, Russell Westbrook back with the Rockets. I don't. I think apparently, if like he does go to the Rockets, they're gonna be like immediately in buyout consider like talks um, for Russell Westbrook. So maybe that's a possibility. But at the end of the day, I don't think that uh, move is worth the risk for the Lakers. And honestly, like the Lakers. With Westbrook and um, Vogel getting all the hate right now, they just do not um, need that much of the blame. They don't. They shouldn't have to burden that much of the blame. Wait till AD comes back. Honestly, try to improve your surrounding pieces before you really have to hit the emergency button and try to trade Russell Westbrook. I don't think it should happen. Last up, before we go into other news and notes, we're gonna talk about the Portland Trailblazers and kind of the position they are in right now. Right now, Damian Lillard just got surgery on his abdomen, and he's going to be out indefinitely. Um, he talked about in his interview how 
he's been feeling this for several years now. And even the doctor, when they were doing the surgery on this, saying, man, you were playing basketball for this many years with, like, the injuries you had to your abdomen? And he's like, yeah, I just thought it wasn't that big of a deal. But it seemed like a lot bigger of a deal now. And now he got surgery. Now the surgery means that he could come back in, like, six to eight weeks, which is definitely a possibility. But Damien Lord put, made it um, heavily clear he is not going to be playing for a team that's playing for a draft pick. Now, if you're the Portland Trail Blazers, I saw this as the perfect opportunity to start moving away from those older pieces that you've had for the longest time now. Portland just lost to the um, Timberwolves last night after McCollum really tried to help him get into it. I think he I think tied the game or either led the game by one, laying that game with the three. But I think it's time for them to get rid of a lot of their older pieces. Nurkic, expiring contract, try to get as much as you can out of him. CJ McCollum, he is not like out of his prime yet. He is still a very good shot creator, and I think he could be a really good number three on on a contending team. Try to make a trade there. The honestly, if just like you're looking at this roster right now, all of them should be like open to trade. The only one I would be even close to keeping around is Anthony Simmons, but at the same time, Damian Lord is coming back soon. Not soon, but he sh- like he will be coming back eventually. So what do the Portland Trailblazers do here? I think they should do the, t- the tank thing, but Damon Lord doesn't want to come back to a team who's not competing. So where do they go from here? Because right now they're the 10 seed in the West. They are, I think they're like yeah, they're two games ahead of the number 11 seed. They're three games back from the number nine seed. They are in the final playing spot, and honestly, even with this roster, because of how bad the bottom of the West is. It is very possible that this team could just stay number 10 with or without Damian Lillard. But <laughs> that shouldn't be a goal. That really shouldn't be a goal for this team. If that's like what you're aiming for right now, then don't even bother. Don't even bother if you're the Portland Trailblazers. I mean, trade Nurkic now. Trade McCollum. There are pieces you can get back in terms of draft capital or any sort of like young pieces to move around this team. This has been an absolute disaster year with the whole um, Neil O'Shea thing. Now with the whole Damon Willard um, surgery thing. At this point, the point your boys just might just have to pull the plug. Trade him. Try and convince Damon Willard that it's probably best that they could trade him too. Just start fresh. Maybe start with an Anthony Simons as that like, nice building piece. Because he's honestly been great in the month of January. Averaging over like 23, 24 points a game. But it's time. It really should be time. But the Portland Trailblazers, they're just stuck in this place where what do they do now? They want to compete to get Damian Lloyd back, try and get that revenue, try and get the play-in money, uh, potentially get into the playoffs where they can have a minimum of like, two more games in their home court. Or start the full rebuild, which I think they should do. But at the same time, Damian Lloyd has expressed... Um, that he wants to stay, he wants to have a um to have like a lifelong thing there in Portland. But are is he on the same page with the management, especially because they have new management in right now? I'm not sure, and I don't think that trying to run it back is gonna do anything good for this team. I honestly think even the Lakers, the Timberwolves, the Clippers, who just came back from a 35 point game, point 35 point lead yesterday without PG, without Kawhi. As a better team than the Trailblazers right now, they are, and I think that them trying to compete here, trying to like um, fight to try and get to a playing tournament, is just not worth the effort. It's not worth 
all the necessary stress and trying to force Damien Lord back when he clearly, and I mean clearly, needs the rest. The change in the roster must happen. Dame really should be considering a tra- like a trade request right now. I know he's trying to wait for that Supermax contract, and it's coming up very soon. But hopefully he can get a trade out of Portland like after he signs that extension or even before that. Just a lot of things need to change for Portland. And I think at this point, with how much of a um, crapshoot this season is, just, just time to pull the plug. Really just trade everyone. Kind of do what the Orlando Matter did and just try to get as much future assets as you can. I know it's such a lord, especially because he's like already like 30 years old and you really just want to see him competing year in and year out. That's honestly just not a possibility. Um, and I just think that his time with the Trailblazers, as much as he wants to stay, is up. Is up. Him, the McCollum backcourt, Yusuf Nurkic, you can even trade players like Covington, Larry Nance Jr. Just try and get younger. Find the direction you want to go. Either go for it or not. It's a tough decision for them, but I don't think there's anything that they could do to this roster that can get them to the next level, take them into a play in spot, a playoff spot, especially with Damian going to come back. I just do not see it. That's gonna be exci- it's gonna be interesting to see what they do around the trade deadline. I don't know, like with the Trailblazers, they're just really kind of like st- it feels like they're gonna stay still, but they also need to make a lot of trades. We'll have to wait and see. But the Trailblazers, in my opinion, should blow it up. But they're in a per particular situation like a peculiar situation right now let's go on to news and notes around the nba um just a couple of topics before we end today's episode we already talked about in- about the bulls injuries missing on and Derek jones jr lonzo caruso absolutely tough but um let's see i hope let's hope they can tread water paul george yes paul george is thinking about getting a sur- getting surgery on his ucl I think that's the thing that's happening in his el- that's the thing in his elbow right now that needs um um needs to have surgery on and he could possibly be out for the season. Quick thoughts on this. The Clippers, no matter what, they're gonna be competing. As seen yesterday, as <laughs> for since I think this is like since like what, nineteen eighty seven and nineteen seventy seven? The biggest comeback in NBA history, I think of of course of the century, but over the last like what 30, 40 years, they were down by thirty five to the to the Wizards in the first half. They were down, and they were down by thirty one at halftime. And they won. They outscored the Wizards eighty to forty nine in the second half, and they won the game on a game winning three pointer and won by Luke Kennard. I mean, it's crazy because you're gonna fight every night. The thing is with the Clippers, there's no point of really tanking because um, you want, these guys want to compete on the floor right now. They're clearly in a playing spot, and that's what they're going to continue to be competing for. That's not really the direction the Clippers even want to go to. They want to show that to Paul Jordan and Kawhi Leonard that they're going to be competing no matter what, with or without them in the lineup. They've been doing that this year. They're probably going to – they're just coached well enough. They have good enough camaraderie where they're going to probably make it to the playing tournament anyway. So – yeah, it's unfortunate that Paul George has to get this um, sur- that he's thinking about getting the surgery. It's probably for the best, which means that Kawhi Leonard might be co- may, n- may not be coming back either, which is also tough for Clippers fans. But I think this year, it's a it's an okay throwaway year, especially because you see like crazy things like this from yesterday. Um, but yeah, I think it's best for them just to come back next year, come back fresh, and hopefully the Clippers like develop more young talent to help in the rotation this for for the next year. One last thing we're going to discuss before we end today's episode. A trade finally happened for Bull Bull. We got a three-team um, three deal here. 
we have Bol Bol getting traded away from the um, from the Denver Nuggets to the Boston Celtics alongside Juan, uh, not Wancho, um, PJ Dozier. The the San Antonio Spurs um, get um, Wancho Hernan Gomez along with the 2028 second round pick for the Denver Nuggets, and the Nuggets receive Brent Forbes. Quick analysis of this trade. The Denver Nuggets game, Brent Forbes, they need a bit more guard help. Brent Forbes has shown that he is a reliable shooter, um, even in the playoffs. Good pickup for them. The Spurs get Juancho Hernan Gomez, another um, another um, European piece. And a decent second, and a good second round pick, obviously. Could be used as a trade piece, or you could just draft someone in 2028. Crazy to think about that, because that's six years away. But the Spurs got something out of um, trading away Brent Forbes. And then the, the, the Celtics take a chance with Bull Bull and PJ Dozier. Bull Bull, I don't know really if he's still like is going to have a place in the league very soon. But PJ Dozier, if he does come out from injury and he does like resign with the team next year, could be a solid piece for them off the bench. Of course, the whole Bull Bull trade like with the Pistons fell out a few weeks ago because he didn't pass his medical. And now he's out like 8 to 12 weeks. And the Celtics are like, you know what, we'll take him. And the potential um, PJ Dozier type thing, they traded away Juancho Hernan Gomez, who wasn't not even playing at all. So this really doesn't make a difference. Very minor deal, and I think the winner of all this is just the Nuggets because they actually have someone that's probably gonna play. So yeah, those are other news, news and news and notes around the league. Let me know down below what you guys think of all the topics we talked about today: the potential Wall for Westbrook trade, the great the Julian Allen suspension, the Harden um, news. Let me know down below what you guys think. It's a shorter episode, but I think this is good because we've been having a lot of long episodes lately. But I think this is where we're going to end it. Thank you guys for for watching or listening. Remember to show love on all the podcast channels. Like, share, and subscribe if you're on YouTube. And remember to follow at TV on Basketball on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok for updates on the podcast and for other awesome content that has been releasing, especially on the TikTok. Get on that. I'm almost at 700 followers. I'm trying to get to 1,000 so I can start doing some lives there over with y'all. should be really fun. And... With, a new, with um, NBA All-Star Weekend coming up, with the NBA trade deadline coming up, there's a lot of things we're going to have to discuss, and I think there's going to be a really fun few next few weeks of basketball. Thank you guys for all the support um, on the podcast. Excited to provide more content for you. And, yeah, just be on the lookout for just other stuff that's going around it, uh, um, on my channel over the next few days, weeks, and honestly for the rest of the season. So, yeah, once again, thank you guys for all the support. Hope you have a fantastic day. Take it easy, guys. TV signing out. Peace.